Welcome in, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of Tape to Tape. I will be your host tonight. I am Maria from Watertown. We're recording on November 21st, just a couple of days before U.S. Thanksgiving. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Carolyn. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited for the long weekend ahead. (laughs) I think many of us are. Many of us are. Yeah. Very, very timely while we're trying to balance our our fun job with recording and yes. day jobs. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's been quite the roller coaster week uh, all across the league and then in the within the Bruins. So I'm excited to chat about everything that's going on, even though we only had two games to talk about because of their little break last week. So um Yeah, should we set the table? Let's set the table. So on this week's episode, folks, um, we're going to talk about the week that was. And as uh, Caroline just alluded to, um, really, there are two two games to break down. The first was the uh, the game against the uh, Montreal Canadiens, which took place on Saturday. Then we'll also break down last night's um, frustration frustrating mm. game versus the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning where some old habits seem to uh, continuously creep in to the game of the Boston Bruins. And then some very disturbing, troubling news that um, we both feel compelled to mm-hmm. talk about. It needs to be mentioned. It's an extremely serious, um, serious and, and troubling issue and that is the um, arrest of Milan Lucic on um, alleged domestic violence allegations mm-hmm. that took place on Saturday night. Um, I have my own personal thoughts with regard to situations such as this. Mm-hmm. Um, my first concern is always for the victim, in this case, his wife, Brittany, and concern for the well-being of their three children. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, clearly there are some issues. In my view, there are some issues, or perhaps, dare I say, demons, mm-hmm. that Milan needs to address. This is the second instance that we know about where this type of troubling allegation has been levied against him. The first occurred in 2011. I believe it also involved, Mm -hmm. at the time, his girlfriend, Brittany, who is now his wife. Uh, Those charges were, I believe, dropped at that point in time. But in this instance, the police were called. Reports have been filed. An arraignment took place today. There will be a pretrial hearing on January 19th. And just before we started our recording, Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald posted on X that Milan Lucic will be entering the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program while he is on indefinite leave from the Boston Bruins. Mm -hmm. Caroline, I'd like to hear your thoughts now that yeah. i've voiced mine 
Yeah, I think we're in complete agreement and alignment. This is this was a horrible, horrible news to wake up to uh, over the weekend. Um, and our thoughts are with his wife and his family um, while they're all going through this really difficult time. And we just hope that, um, you know, justice is served and, and that uh, wrongs are righted and that, um, you know, Luch can get the help that he needs and that his family gets the support that they need and deserve during this time. So, you know, um, it's, it's another bummer of a start to our show. But, you know, we want to be clear as hockey fans, as women, you know, this is a serious issue and it shouldn't be taken lightly and um, fully support and appreciate Boston as a franchise, their immediate response um, and how they've handled it so far that um, that's been good to see and hear. And I'll be interested to see how they move forward as the whole case and everything goes through. So, um yeah, we are in alignment and our thoughts are with the family. And, you know, and, you know, again, not we're, we're not um, being cold hearted. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Milan Lucic, in, in my view, and this is just my personal opinion, I'm not a professional. <laughs> um, he has some issues to deal with, mm-hmm. taking steps in the right direction by entering the player assistance program. Um, I'm not quite sure where his future will lead him at this mm-hmm. point in time with, you know, with his career, either with the Boston Bruins or another team, but he needs yeah. to heal himself first. Yep. 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 And with that said, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the timing couldn't have been any worse because it happened on the day the news broke as the Bruins were getting ready for um, this tribute and celebration Mm -hmm. that occurred on Saturday to celebrate the uh, era of big big bad Bruins hockey. And I, I have to say that despite what had occurred earlier in the day, the atmosphere in the building Mm-hmm. For the games versus the Habs was was pretty festive. It was it was magical mm-hmm. to see all of those old time Bruins players come out on the ice and watch them raise the two Stanley Cup banners that they didn't get the opportunity to raise when they originally won the trophies back in 1970 and 1972. And I have to tell you that, you know, you'd have to be a pretty, pretty cold and emotionless person not to have been touched by watching that ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a really interesting story. I was confused at first. I was, I'm thinking to myself, wait, they didn't get to do that? I don't understand. And then I realized, oh, wait, this is actually kind of a... um, a modern phenomenon where you have all of your pro teams actually doing that special ceremony at the start of the following season and raising their banner like that. Um, I tried to do a little bit of research. I couldn't really 
find very quickly, at least, when that tradition really got started. And so um, I thought that was a great idea. Whoever's, you know, whether it's a committee or whoever, like coming up with these really special uh, themes and and uh, almost like activities for those particular eras, like it, it's super well thought out. I mean, I know I shouldn't be surprised because... This is this is a form of entertainment, right? That's pro sports and and the, the showmanship was just it was really great. I really loved watching it. I thought it was really thoughtful, and um, just thinking about those as you called them the old timer. I don't want to offend anyone, but you said that. <laughs> but I'm, I consider myself one of those old timers, exactly. so I'm not too far behind the ages of some of those. I got to tell you that we're out there. <laughs> some of these guys, hilarious and so sharp. I don't know if folks get have the opportunity to watch Nessen or um, watch their intermission shows, but that first period intermission, that first intermission with. Um, Cheevers and uh was it Sanderson? Sanderson. Oh my Oh my god, the two of them couple of characters, right? Oh my god, I could listen to them for a whole game. And I didn't I mean again, I'm not from the Boston area. I didn't grow up in New England. I didn't realize until they were telling the story how they were doing that kind of work after their playing careers anyways. I didn't know. One of them one of them was with the Whalers, right? And the other was in Boston. I don't know if they were with the Bruins or whatever, but I'm like, of no wonder they're such naturals and the banter. I mean, that was probably the best intermission uh, I've ever watched ever. Like, and I'm always generally entertained, especially by uh, Sophia and Jaffe and Razor, but they just brought it to a whole new level. I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Those guys. Played hard and they partied hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was um oh, that was a great game. Um I well, first of all, the fact that uh it was also historic in the sense that Marshy had his uh five hundredth career assist in that game, which is just fantastic. It actually ended up taking me down a little bit of a rabbit hole to look up franchise records for the Bruins. Um, and I, he surprises me still, even to this day. Like, I know he's a great player and there are all those things that we all love about him that everybody else hates. And I remember reading an article about him probably about 10 years ago where someone had made a, a comment like, you know, here's this guy he's he was a younger player at the time like maybe he was in his mid-20s when this article came out saying like there's this guy he's acting like a fool but he's actually a really good player and if he just made the decision to lean into being a good player he could be phenomenal and then here i am a decade later reading about all these franchise records i mean he's He's in the top uh, uh, of almost all the major records within the Bruins organization. Like, it's it's astonishing. Really, it is. I don't think enough people really realize just how much he's changed the the game and, and in their current era. So I'm also just really excited for when we get to the current era with all these celebrations because of like just all these pieces. Like I, I just love all of this. I'm loving this season. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, it, it's been a season of 
so far, you know, um, reflection too. Mm -hmm. When you think back at, you know, what what started mm -hmm. this hotbed of hockey. Mm -hmm. And I know the Bruins have been around for a hundred years now. We all know that, but you know, let let's let's make it real here. Mm -hmm. The teams yeah. of the seventies turned Boston into a hockey town. Just you know, yeah. the arrival yeah. of the goat, and <laughs> you know, all the rest of the characters yeah. on those teams that just pushed hockey over the edge. The, I mm -hmm. mean, not only were they rock stars, but yeah. they were single-handedly responsible for growing the game of hockey again in New England, where 100%. rinks were being built everywhere. Mm -hmm. Kids wanted to just go out and skate and shoot yeah. and play hockey. And yeah. um, it truly was, it truly was a transformation. Yes. And it was, it was, the tone was set by the players who were out on the ice being celebrated on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's amazing to be a player or part of a group of players to transform a franchise, but it is next level to completely change and transform the sport, uh, especially in... The United States, where, you know, hockey isn't king like it is in Canada. But I would say, you know, through the the this these teams, uh, especially those two cup winning teams, have helped make Boston and Massachusetts and New England kind of the center for hockey in the United States, right up there with the state of Minnesota, just like how in Canada you have Toronto and, you know, Montreal and Quebec being those like factories and centers for hockey. I mean, that's what we see now in, in, in the U S it's, it's new England, it's Boston and it's, uh, you know, the upper Midwest. And the, I, I agree. I think it's all right down to this team and what they did for the sport. I mean, I don't think that they get enough recognition for the long-term impact, uh, that they've had. I mean, look at the, all of the, um, the teams in, in hockey East, which is for folks who don't follow NCAA D1 men's hockey. I mean, that is the premier college hockey league and like half the teams are in Boston, <laughs> you know, so it's, it says something, it says something right there. That's their legacy. It's amazing. And, and that, you know, I think that the, the tone and tenor and the, you know, the, the culture was the groundwork was laid mm -hmm. by um, the, those teams in, in, in the seventies and, you know, credit to, those who have followed mm -hmm. to follow the map mm -hmm. that was was uh, was left for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Even in spite, like in spite of everything that happened in the eighties and the nineties, um, there was still a commitment to that mission that you see in a lot of our legendary players that came after these guys. You know, Neely. Bork, uh, even Joe Thornton, you know, like these guys who kind of then were still trying to carry that torch into the the modern era for the Bruins. 
but it was great. I loved it. You were there. So, I mean, tell us about this game from Rinkside, for crying out loud. <laughs> well, I mean, the game itself was very entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, the Bruins played a, com a complete hockey game. Yes. And I think they dominated might be a strong word to use mm -hmm. but they certainly showed the Montreal Canadiens that they were in fact the better team yeah that that night and yes. you know they they came out with a shoot first mentality finally mm, finally i know, I know. um <laughs> imagine that you know uh. you take 40 plus shots on goal and and Five of them actually go in. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, and, and and the other the other thing that um, I I had been wanting to see was you know Coach Monty keeping lines together, which he, I think we're starting to is, see that. Right, he did that um, Saturday night, and for the most part maintained that structure last night as mm -hmm. well. You know, and I think, you know, where where I really see it, I mean, I see it coming to fruition in all of the lines. But, you know, the the fourth line is developing some really good chemistry. Yep. Um, you know, JVR, Freddie, and Coyle are solid line. Mm -hmm. you know, Marchand, Pasta, and Zaka should be they're, they're yes. slowly turning into a little mm -hmm. bit of a lethal line. Yes. The, 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 one, the one grouping that I'm still struggling with mm. is um, Jake DeBrusque mm. and, and Danton Heinen. Um, I don't know. Just doesn't – they yeah. not seem to be clicking. I, maybe yeah. it's just me. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's because, you know – Jake is still seemingly struggling a little yeah. bit, but I think it's time for Jake to start elevating his game and mm -hmm. elevating the game of his line mates. Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of talk about this. Um, one of the conversations we've been having regularly, a little tongue in cheek in the in the chat in our discord is there was this article uh from the athletic um and i don't know i don't remember if i've mentioned it but he was interviewed and and the headline quote was oh i'm just not getting the looks right and so we we're, every time we're watching a game we're like was that not a look jake come on jakey that was a look take the shot <laughs> well, I, guess, I guess my question to this young man would be and again I, you know i've never played hockey but make your looks jake wait right what do you Right. What is his what is the look that he's looking for? Because that could mean a whole host of things. So and I am seeing some improvement. Right, his game is not all bad. No. I, he was he was very visible mm -hmm. um in the Habs game. Yeah. And again, he you know, he he was winning puck battles, he's killing penalties, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's been conversation about maybe he should be moved to the first power play unit to get to get his game going, but that first unit is working pretty well. So yeah, um, 
I wouldn't rock that boat. We've had enough challenges. No, 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 no. So, um, but yeah. again, it's not like he's, you know, a totally, totally no. making any contribution. But no, yeah. If if you want balanced scoring, mm-hmm. he was one of the he was one of the players. Yeah, that you were counting on to help yeah. provide some yeah. of that balanced scoring, and it's yeah. not coming to fruition yet. Yeah. And I, you know, another thought had crossed my mind because we've discussed this before about how my, I'm guessing kind of that his, uh, a little bit of his downturn is the fact that he's without Patrice Bergeron. Um, But it's kind of like at his particular age and in his role, he kind of needs to be making this transition in his play and in the role that he I think should be performing and and I think is capable of performing, which is previously, I think he excelled being on that top line with Martian and Bergeron because you had two very, very good leaders who could help teach and direct him. And now he doesn't have somebody giving him that direction and guidance and uh, he's now in a position where he has to generate that all on his own. You know what I'm saying? And then also provide that for the other younger players. So it's almost like he's kind of like, again, I love to talk about how hockey games for these guys is work. It's their office, right? So like he's now transitioning into middle management and he's having a little bit of a hard time (laughs) figuring it out, right? He's now in a position where he has to make decisions. He's not being tasked with jobs now. And, and I, you know, I think there is a, is a, is a, a learning curve to making that change in one's career. Um, I just we'll see how it kind of plays out. It's going to be sink or swim because he doesn't have a heck of a lot more time. No, and he's in a contract year too. So I know. I think that would be motivation <laughs> in and of itself. And again, it sounds like, you know, we're talking about him as if he's, you know, a non-contributor and that and that's right. not the case. I mean, he right. he contributed to one of um Trent Frederick's two goals on Saturday night, yeah. you know, yeah. he, he had a, you know, he had a great takeaway and yeah. um, a beautiful pass to Freddie yeah. as, as Freddie was coming out of the penalty box. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's just when, when you're factoring in mm-hmm. your roster for the year right. and, you know, you're looking down through the roster and you're penciling guys in for certain contributions, mm-hmm. you you know, he's one of the guys that you're saying, Geez, you know, it'd be we should be able to get 20 goals out of this kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's objectively, he's a great player. He is a playmaker. He is doing his part. But what we're talking about is relative to what we've seen him do and what we need him to do. That's where it's falling short. So, yeah, we're not saying he's not good, but we need him in this particular situation, situationally, relative to this team, to be doing something else. So, again, keeping an eye on him, rooting for him. You know, I hope that it's not a situation where he's now just snake bitten and can't get out of his own way. Time will tell, I guess. No, I mean, I think you would, you would maybe pick up on that on you know how he would 
carry himself on the ice or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in any, you know, post-game scrums that he's yeah. involved in. But, yeah. um, you know, it's just, I want him to succeed. I think we yeah. all want him to succeed. I think mm-hmm. he wants to succeed. Yeah. Um, it, it's just... You know, how do we how do we get him there? And yep. you know, Monty's a little bit hamstringed too in yeah. this instance because again, you you need to you need to start developing chemistry yep. with other lines. Yeah. And so how do you you know, you can't keep right. moving him up and down, up and down to the detriment of, you know, the reliability of another line. Right. Well, and then you get into the whole conversation of like, look. We love you. You're phenomenal. You've done a lot of great things, but we don't have a a good spot for you. Like it's it, and that's not a reflection on him as a player, but it's just the reality of the situation. So we'll see. Like if you know what I'm saying. Like if it's just not, you can't force it. I don't know. And call me crazy. Like you know, I mean, Heinen's Heinen's working hard. Jake DeBrusque is working hard. Yeah, Patra is working hard. But they just don't seem to be working cohesively together. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. When they're out on the ice together, right? They're mm-hmm. they're they're doing their thing, but they just don't seem to be doing it consistently right. and cohesively as a line. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really hard problem to solve for because it's not like if you were to consider what I just said about, you know, uh, if he is a chemistry thing, right? And let's say you, there's just not a spot. The solution isn't necessarily also to trade him because what you're talking, it's January or February. And now you want to bring in a guy who you also don't know if there's going to be chemistry. And now it's the middle of uh, or the second half of the season, like that's not a that's not a guaranteed solution to the problem either, because that's a that's a crapshoot too. So uh, there's no easy with, solution. With, there is no easy easy solution. You're right. And the other dilemma is you want you want to have Patra continuing to develop. Yeah, and you, you need protect to put him. him right. You need to put him in a place mm-hmm. where his development. Yeah. can continue to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I, I Tough don't spot. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't envy, you know, and again, right. maybe, you know, maybe yeah. they'll they'll start clicking here at some point in time. Yeah. But, you know, I am I am impressed with, with the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Um, Be- Beecher in the game against the Habs, Mm-hmm. was really good. He oh my was, god. They they're defensively responsible. He had five hits himself in that game. And you know, Oscar Steen is probably feeling a little bit more relaxed right now as well because yeah. he's likely not going anywhere anytime soon. No. What just occurred? I know. Um so they seem to that line in spite of going through a couple of weeks of turbulence um you know because they had uh lauko was out and lucci right. was out and all that kind of they came out different on you know they came out on the other side a little bit different but i think even better i love the uh youth 
the speed, the tenacity they got uh, with Beecher, some, I don't know what you want to call it, oomph, right? Like this guy, he he's he's got a presence and i i'm just, i'm just so excited yeah, yeah oh. credit to him for taking you know he is taking full and complete advantage of the opportunity yeah he's been provided with being up here and, and yeah. relish, he seems to be relishing his role on that fourth line and yeah. being that that you know that energy line like yeah. listen if you if you guys pop a goal in here or there that's great but yeah. just don't let the other team get one and and they yeah. do their job you know yeah i what i'm starting to see when i think about the uh these young guys uh especially patra and beecher only because they've been around long enough for me to kind of start to imagine what their future roles could look like for the bruins i see patra growing into potentially a uh like an elite scorer um and i see beecher as i guess what we are now calling like this modern power forward like the the power forward as we once knew it really doesn't exist anymore um and i don't see him becoming like this sniper you know zaka type uh or pasta type like elite scorer but man does he bring a lot to the table i can see him you know eventually if he gets developed properly and if he keeps moving at this pace i could see him eventually landing in the top six as a center who really gets the job done who's a physical presence who you know he's doing a great job with his face-offs um i think he plays defensively very well he's a very complete player I'm I'm super impressed with him. Like I've just seen him more and more lately, really stepping up, and I love what I see. Yeah, no, the kid is seems to be making improvements. Yeah, each game, each shift, and so that mm-hmm. that, that that that's all you can ask of mm-hmm. um, uh, of these young players. And the Bruins continue to win. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great game uh, from my couch. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, turnaround, 100%. You know, for me, my only concern while watching the game was they didn't quite start as I was expecting or hoping, but I'm also just wondering if it was, again, because of the ceremony. I mean, it was a good start, but it wasn't like the shot out of a cannon start that I was expecting that I've seen them do when they've had uh, games that they're coming off of where they didn't do great, but I was, I was entertained. It was good. <laughs> no, no. And I, I think they kept, they kept, a, they kept a very fast pace to the guests. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, you know, they won a lot of puck battles. Yep. They, their, their um, entries out of their D zone, were mm-hmm. crisp and solid. Yeah. So you know, as as I said, it was it was a as complete a game as I've seen them play mm-hmm. this this yeah. season. Yeah. Um. There there was a there was a, a momentary lapse when I forget if Montreal made the score three to one where you thought, oh, don't even let them. Oh think. God. Don't even let them think <laughs> that they have a chance. Yeah. Um. And you know, to to the Bruins' credit, um, yeah, they turned they, it they, around. Yeah, yeah, 
So, you know, and, and Swayman was Swayman again. The, yep. the, the save that he made off of uh, Brendan Gallagher had a, a, like a semi, you know, semi breakaway. Uh-huh. And it was, it was a thing of beauty and very yeah. fitting that he stones Gallagher after <laughs> the nonsense Gallagher pulled, pulled the, uh, the week before. Yeah. But it's always, it's always good to beat the Habs, no matter yep. what. Always. always good. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but now, last night, one of their uh, newer rivals as well. I would say there's been some good rivalry developing between the Bruins and Tampa Bay over the last couple of years. That was a very different game. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it was um, it, it was frustrating to watch, even even when the Bruins had leads in the game, it felt like they were losing the game. Yeah, it was, and I've, and this is not the first time we've seen this, uh, this season. I think there's been at least another game like this. I just don't remember which one it was, but it's what I like to call, um, the Bruins greatest hits of all the things that drive us nuts from the past three or four years. So we had, uh, the ever popular can't clear the zone, uh, the, we're going to lose this game in the final seconds. And uh, we're just not even going to bother to try because we have moved on psychologically. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's what it was. You know, as, as hard as you work, as hard as you work to, you know, to, to tie the game and mm-hmm. then take two, two, yeah. leads at two different times, you, 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 your penalty kill was awesome. Yeah. The 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 five on three that they killed off. Mm. Derek Forbert was a beast mm-hmm. um during during that penalty kill. That mm-hmm. penalty kill actually gave them some energy to then see the the waning seconds of that game where you sit back and you say, once again, I know how this is going to end. Mm-hmm. Now let let let's start with first period because were it not for Jeremy Swayman in the first period game last night, the Bruins could have been down three to nothing. It took them over five minutes to get their first shot on goal in the first period. Yeah. Yeah. And Tampa is, you know, they had a bit of a rough start. They weren't doing super great, but they've been kind of on the upswing. So they're also extremely hungry, extremely motivated to get to where they believe they should be as a team in the standings. Um, and you can't, you can't, uh, ignore that kind of uh hunger you know what i mean and that's exactly what happened in the very final minutes of the game you know they 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 could smell blood in the water and they were not going to give it up and the entire game flow to your point of even when we had the lead it felt like we were losing tampa controlled that game 
I mean, out of the 60 minutes of regulation, they were probably in charge for at least 50. I mean, it was like Jeremy Swayman, once again. The offensive pushes that the Bruins had were, it seemed like one and done, one and done. There, there, There wasn't a lot or, you know, a significant amount of zone time that the mm-hmm. Bruins had. And, yeah. you know, I mean, Tampa Bay still got, I, I know they're missing their big, their big guy, Annette Vasilevsky, but, you know, they've still got a ton of firepower on that yeah. team. Oh, and by the way, Nikita Kucherov was nowhere to be found in the second period. Oh, yeah. Game. <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah. He was nowhere to be found in the second period. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it comes down to, uh, I believe it was Stamkos who tied it up, right? There's a reason why this guy is a legend. You can't let guys like that take control. I mean, I... Tampa Bay made very few mistakes. I would say the one egregious mistake that they made, which I believe the Bruins were able to capitalize on, was... um, one of the later goals where I think the lightning assumed that the puck was about to clear out of the zone and they started moving in the direction of the bench and somehow it didn't get cleared and the Bruins kind of got on the other side of them and they were able to score. Um, But that was pretty much the only major mistake. And yeah, uh, the, um, the lightning goaltender, he's I'm blanking on his name right off the top of my head, but um Joe uh Johansson, I think. Johansson, yes, that's right. Jonas Johansson. Yep. Um, you know, he's he's he is no Vasilevsky, but it's not like the way that the Bruins played was average at best. I mean, you you look at the shots on goal that the Bruins had, it was an average uh, number of shots on goal that you would see in any game, right? Whereas uh, Tampa Bay, holy cow, 41. They put 41 shots on Jeremy Swayman, and most of them were legit scoring chances. (laughs) Yeah, because as I said, he he had to come up huge. Yeah, I mean, he came up huge throughout the game, but in that first period, right yeah. off the bat, again, yeah, um, th- yeah, they could have been down mm-hmm. three to nothing. And if you look at, because again, I'm the stats person. If you look at a heat map of the rink and you see where all the shot attempts were made by Lightning players on the net. They cast a very wide net. Uh, They were shooting from pretty much all over the ice. And they had a ton, like a high, high concentration of shot attempts in the high danger zone, which is right in front of the crease. And three of their goals were uh, right in that high danger zone. Hmm. Whereas if you were to look at how the Bruins did, they were... A lot less uh, spread out. They did have more concentration in the lower part of closer to the net, but not nearly to the degree that Tampa Bay was. They were not 
in right in front of the net. So like, uh, you know, it is a still a higher danger, but I don't know. I think one of the things that just helped Tampa besides taking 40, well, that was that 41 was just the shots on goal. Uh, I don't know actually how many shot attempts they had. I could tell you probably. Um, but like that, that's what you got to do. We talked about it literally like 15 minutes ago about they, they had the shot mentality in the one game. Where was that shot mentality in this game? It didn't exist. Just a stark, a stark. Con- now, again, two very different opponents we're, we're talking about. Yeah. You know, I mean, a Montreal Canadiens team, they're, they're not a dog team. But in terms of, you know, you you the roster mm-hmm. construction of the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning are vastly vastly different. Yeah. However, you know, that was a it was a winnable game for yeah, the Bruins. It, and and we're talking as if, you know, they I know it sounds like we're just, you know, negative negative negative, but it's it's not the loss. We've said it before, it's it's how you lose. Right. And you know when you when you allow a team to come back in the caliber of a Tampa Bay Lightning they're just going to keep coming at you because right. you let them come back in once and yes you came back and you you know took another lead you actually scored there was one um Pizaka goal was phenomenal. Oh my god, that's <laughs> gorgeous. That David Pasternak. Oh my god. Oh my god. I mean, he he likely could have put the puck in himself, but um, gorgeous. Talk about chemistry. <laughs> no, no, no. I I'm I'm liking what I'm yeah. I'm liking what I'm seeing there. Yeah. Um, but it's just but, it's all about the shot attack. Like I, I so I I pulled up the number and um the Lightning had seventy seven. Uh, shot attempts to Boston's 46 shot attempts. Like, that's insane. If you know that that's the level that your opponent is going to come at you with, then you need to rise to that occasion because when you lose games like this, okay, yeah, this is one game, one game there, one game here, but when it comes to the playoffs and then you're playing the same team at least four times in a row and you behave in this way, they're going to do their homework and they're going to know, hey, if we do this with them, they're going to fall in this way. That's what losses like this is what's going to come back and and bite you in the butt during playoffs. So that's what's frustrating to me. And I don't know if they're mental mistakes or, you know, if, if, you know, fatigue comes into play. I mean, they, they did have to kill off, um, six or seven penalties and oh and i want to give the bruins a piece of advice too (laughs) stop bitching at the referees oh my god stop (laughs) bitching at the refs it does you no good if anything it ticks them off i know when you're constantly yapping at them this does make me wonder if this is kind of a little bit of uh this is the price we pay for the brad marshawn (laughs) Captain C, like, oh, this is this is his mark. I I wonder. No, I'm I, I, well, I, and again, I, he wasn't the only guy. No, no, he no, wasn't no. The only guy. I think Pasta had a few oh. things to say. Yeah, he did. The course of the game, he was pissed as well. 
Um, but yeah. as I said, you, you still have to kill the penalties off. You killed most of them off yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um, but it's not a recipe for no. sustained success. No. no, no, I agree. And, and, you know, again, it wasn't all, it wasn't all bad. There were no. highlights again, Jeremy yeah. Swayman, uh, you know, at some point when there's they start conversations about mm-hmm. Vesna candidates. I've already been thinking that. I'm like, is it too he, early? Is, <laughs> uh, well, uh, it, but you you know, just something to think about. He's having a he's having himself a year. He's having himself a year. He is. He is. And I uh, <sighs> That, the, just that very, very end, I was just like, they didn't even have possession. It was just, nope. they were done. Nope. They were done nope. once that that goal was scored with four seconds left. And they were just like, all right, moving on. Like, whatever. Okay, great. And that, that's what sucks. That line, <laughs> it's maddening. The line change that led to the overtime winner. Yeah, that um, was by rough. Hagel. Like, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what any of them were thinking. Yeah, but know. you know, all three players mm-hmm. are like literally leaving the ice to head over to make a change, <laughs> and Tampa's probably going, "Oh my God, it's Christmas!" I know, and, you know, and and Charlie tries, to, you know, to get himself back in the play, but yep. it it was it was too late. It was yep. too late. Yeah, it was too late. But the one fun thing that I learned this week uh, was from, uh, if anyone has watched or listened to the What Chaos uh, podcast, apparently last night's type of game is Jeremy Swayman and Lena Zalmark's favorite type of game, which is lots of action and very, very high shots on goal. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, that's exactly what happened. And this, you know, the recording happened well before this game happened. And, you know, they were saying, I like it because I feel like I can really contribute because in those kinds of games, I'm facing a ton of shots. Yes, I'm letting in goals, but it could have been higher. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, he let in goals. The, yeah, uh, I would say pretty much most of them not his fault. And it probably, if he wasn't as good as he is, could have been easily 10 to three you know yeah no no i mean the the the, he 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 is playing superb yeah he is no no he's a zone he's in a zone man and Uh i hope next level yeah i hope hope it continues and interestingly enough and you know maybe it sounds like with maybe being repetitive that um when asked after the game why Swayman started mm. against Tampa when he had already played against Montreal because they've been sticking true to their yeah. rotation all yeah. season long up until now. Um, Monty mentioned the word maintenance with regard to Linus. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know if there's something going on there or if it's just gamemanship in that I think that Linus to be held out so that he would get the game against the Panthers tomorrow night, which will will preview yeah. coming up. Yeah, I kind of think it was more gamesmanship. Uh my before he, hearing that comment from Monty, my speculation during the game was I was asking around because I couldn't remember, um, who 
played who was in net the first time that they played the Panthers and it was Linus. And I was like, okay, well, maybe there's that, or maybe there's a game um coming up also, uh, either the Black Friday game or something right after that, where they wanted to switch it up uh, you know, timing-wise. Because the thing is at the end of the day, maintenance, I mean, if you can't play, then you wouldn't be on the bench. Right. Like if there was seriously some kind of question, they would have taken Bussy on the trip and they didn't. So I, I I agree with you. I think that was a little bit of a whatever, you know, gamesmanship, as you say, um, move. Because they did that last year, too, where I recall uh, I went to three games last year and I ended up seeing I think I saw Jeremy swim in all three times. And I was surprised because one of them. I was at the Senators game and I was like, okay, I'm going to get to see Allmark. And I didn't because they changed it up because of, I think, Allmark had played against the Senators in the last tilt. And so they're switching it up. So I, they do this all the time, too. Like, yeah, that's, I'm sure what it was. But, well, let's, let's, let's yeah. hope that that, you know, just, just to, just to wrap up on the Tampa game before we play yeah. the Florida game. Um, yeah. Another, another solid, solid performance. Uh-huh. By um by Beecher, yeah, he had a goal. It was yeah. a beauty of a shot. I know. Of a shot. Um, he he blocked some shots. You know, unfortunately, he did take a bad and untimely penalty mm-hmm. late in the third period. But again, these guys, guys, you need to control your sticks. Yeah, uh, you need to control your sticks. I mm-hmm. know the Tampa Bay Lightning players sold it a little bit, but you still need to control yeah. your sticks. Yep. 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 But they're on to the Atlantic coast of Florida tomorrow. This game makes me nervous just because it's all the emotions and the trauma around remembering last the end of last season. I feel like every single matchup that they're going to have this year is just going to be a constant rematch of that whole series so it's like it's revenge game part two that's what i'm calling it with ali and net um it's gonna be interesting because the panthers have a six game home win streak right now i believe they are second in the division i thought i saw that this morning they are second in um in the atlantic in the atlantic yeah let me see where they are in the conference there so right now as it stands the Eastern Conference is ranked thusly. Mm. Boston Bruins first, New York Rangers second, Florida Panthers third. Yeah. They yeah. Now the, the Panthers and the Rangers are tied for points. Yes. Um, right now. They just have more regulation losses, I believe, than the Rangers do. So, yeah. um, again, you know, we, we know this roster mm-hmm. fairly well. Um, mm-hmm. We know... Kachuk is going to do his usual to get under the skin. The guy that worries me is Sam Reinert. He mm. is. Is he back? He's my, I believe that he's back. Oh, okay. he's, I don't pay attention to Florida. Um, <laughs> Alexander Barkov is um, questionable. He's been out day to day. Um, yeah. So they may not have him in the lineup, but mm-hmm. right now Sam Reinhart has 13 goals, 12, 12 assists mm-hmm. for the yep. Panthers. Now, you know, Pasta is not too far 
not too far behind him. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting, I'm guessing that Bobrovsky will be in net. Yeah. For the Panthers. Yes. That would be my guess as well. And assuming Olmark will take the net for yeah. the Bruins. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm I'm very curious to see how this game is different from their last matchup. Uh, I felt like in the in the previous game against the Panthers, Kachuk was quiet ish. Uh, I didn't find him to be as I wasn't irritated throughout the whole game, so he must not have been that noticeable. Um, you know, so we'll see how they start. And I, I think he's having a kind of a quiet year for them. In general. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and that's that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm yep. okay with that, um, yep. to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. So, you know, it should be, again, um, for the Bruins, you, you want to improve mm-hmm. on the things that you did not do well yes. in the game against... Tampa. Yeah. And that is, you know, puck possession. Clear it. And it sounds like such a simple thing. I, I know it sounds like a simple thing, yet I keep hearing, you know, professionals saying it's, it's, it's harder than you think to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And maybe, and, you know, maybe get back to that shoot first, you know. It works mentality. well for them. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and again, the, you know, the Bruins only had two power play opportunities in the game against uh, Tampa, mm-hmm. which I think was part of the frustration for yeah. them. Yes. A big frustration for them. They they were 0 for 2, and mm-hmm. in in the one that they were awarded – Late in the first period, mm-hmm. where you know they could have taken the lead, yep. they almost gave up a shorty, and Swayman had to. <laughs> yep, Swayman had to save come up them again. Big. Yeah, had to come up big. Yeah, um, yeah. So. so it's going to be a good good week, I think, though, because we've got uh, this game tomorrow, which is going to be very exciting. Uh, that I will be stuffing my face with. Thanksgiving food, and then we will be watching. <laughs> As we're setting the hockey table, folks will be setting their Thanksgiving table. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then we've got Detroit, which is going to be a great uh, matchup. This will be, I believe, our third. So here's them. I, I, and again, I know we've talked about the infinite wisdom, or dare I say, lack of wisdom, on the part of the NHL schedulers. You've got the Red Wings coming in for the Friday matinee, and then the Bruins are playing the Rangers. Why wouldn't you have that Bruins-Rangers game as your Mm -hmm. matinee game? That's how it's been in the past. Talk about a tradition. Mm. Uh, No disrespect to the Detroit Red Wings. Right. But how many times have we already seen them? Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. And I think like... I, I think we only they only play them three times. Like they're the one there's one always one team, I think, in the Atlantic division where they don't play them four times. And I think it's I think it's Detroit. So like I think we're done after this game. No. So my my concern is, you know, 
the Bruins looking past this Red Wings game mm-hmm. in anticipation of the game against the Rangers because that Rangers team is yep. good. They're yeah, <laughs> like, they're they're pa- uh, power play. The, bre- the bread man is bacon bread for all of New York City with mm-hmm. the way he's been playing. Yeah, I I think you might be right. I mean, they got to be careful of that. So we'll see. It's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, what about uh, around the rink? What's going on everywhere else? We've talked about our favorite rookies already. Um, what else? Have, what What's happening around the rink? Rink. All right. So Johnny Beecher is getting a little bit of national attention um, in terms of you know being in the conversation for um, rookies to watch. Mm-hmm. So cre- credit to him, you know, for, for him elevating his game and getting himself getting himself noticed. Let, let's face it, that's Connor Bedard's award already. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the fact that at least national folks are paying attention to other rookies in the league. So, you know, that was a quick little news posting on, on uh, NHL.com. Mm-hmm. There was also another um, write-up on NHL.com where one of their um, staff writers chatted with Patrice Bergeron on um, what life's been like for him mm-hmm. now that he's away from the rink and whether or not Patrice has is surprised by the start of the Boston Bruins. To which he's not again, you know, having <laughs> laid having laid a foundation yep. for so many years. First under the uh, tutelage of Zdeno Chara, and you know him being the captain. So, um, you know, it's a it's a nice nice read for anyone who is missing Patrice and wants yep. to uh, to get a sense for what what he's doing at this point in time. The other interesting expose that um, is a four-part kind of series on NHL.com is um, Carrie Price, mm-hmm. who's been doing a sit-down with um, NHL.com. Part one is up and part two just was posted where he talks about his life, his future away from hockey, yep. and the struggles that he admittedly has had with, yeah. I believe, um, alcohol. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll post those in the show notes. Always a good, good little read. Um, really interesting stuff. Um, and they, yeah. and you know, these, these players are, are people too. They have struggles. Yeah. Um, just like you and I mm-hmm. have struggles and if they can help with yeah. awareness for these yeah. struggles and, you know, maybe guide people in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the credit in the world to them for opening up and, and sharing their stories openly. Yeah, absolutely. And then for my favorite, uh, <laughs> what the chirp? Uh, yeah, I, I love I love the little, the Schadenfreude. Um, what? You know, everyone's talking about, oh, my God, what's happening in San Jose? Oh, my God, what's happening in Edmonton? I feel like, uh, has anybody been paying attention to, oh, my God, what is happening in Columbus? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
the first well we talked a little bit about the 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 mess of a start of a season in regards to their coaching um but the disaster has just kind of continued. Oh, the hiring and firing of yes. the charming Mike Babcock. Yes. Right. Yes. And so now we're facing a situation where uh, Johnny Goudreau, a.k.a. Johnny Hockey, uh, was basically benched for a good chunk of a game as well as Line. And then uh, Line was a healthy scratch, I believe, for the first time in his entire NHL career. And I, I'm i always interested to kind of see how teams and individual players, when this happens, how they respond to it. Because sometimes it's a great technique and it works and it lights a fire under their butt and, and, it, and it does what it needs to do. And then other times it just makes things worse. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen it uh, in both... Uh, both directions on the Bruins team, right? So uh, I'm curious to see what happens there. I, I mean, at this point, you know, it's it's got to be really hard for teams that are in the situation like Columbus um, to really kind of get your your mental game back. Like it's it's almost December. You at this point probably have statistically no shot. So, you know, I feel for them. It's got to be a real mental challenge to go to work every single day. And you better hope you really love what you do, because otherwise it's going to be a long season. <laughs> and it makes you it makes you even more thankful. You know, I, I've been very vocal about how I feel about Boston Bruins ownership in the past. I won't mm -hmm. even go into it here. Yeah. Um, but having my own personal philosophical disagreements mm -hmm. um, with with Mr. Jacobs. Um, I feel very fortunate mm -hmm. that we have an organization that the one thing that you can say about Bruins ownership and management since 2011, they are committed to winning. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll do what it and takes. And they'll do what it takes mm -hmm. to keep a winning franchise. Yeah, yeah. On on the ice. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank God we're not in Columbus. Oh. Thank God we're not in Edmonton. Thank God I'm not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Thank God we're not <laughs> in San Jose. So. <laughs> oh gosh! But can you believe it? We we've already burned another hour. <laughs> Talking about our favorite team, um, we're never short of things to say about this uh, Boston Bruins team, are we? No, we are not. We and, and um, the uh, you know it keeps us in business, so to speak. So absolutely, when, uh, when we come back from um, our brief Thanksgiving yeah. break, we'll mm -hmm. have um, at least two games, yeah, to break down, if if not more, yeah. By the time we come back, so we'll we'll have a packed agenda, folks. Hundred um, percent. Hopefully, we won't have a tryptophan effect on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> once we come back from the Thanksgiving break, but um, until until then, yeah. Uh, we I would like to wish every one of our listeners a very um, a very happy and healthy um, U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. Absolutely. Go bees. <laughs> <laughs>